Holy Spirit, as you came at Pentecost, you come continually through the words and deeds of Jesus, the scriptures, and come now through his words as we look at his teaching, his parables. Come now and, and continually transform us into the image of the one whom we worship, who lived, died, and rose for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we continue through the Gospel of Mark, I hope you get a chance to either bring your Bibles in worship and look through it and make some underlines as we're going to start to almost being word uh, verse for verse from now through the end of chapter 8, which we'll do around Labor Day. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. And the first eight chapters of Mark, it's so much there. One of, some of my favorite parts of all the Bible. And so hopefully you get a flavor for the Gospels as we go through this and uh, what, how Mark is telling you about Jesus, because every gospel writer has their own, own view. Uh, God uses them as humans and, and their own words and how they do it as the Holy Spirit inspires them to write the very words of God. So I hope you're enjoying as we're getting into it. We're now into chapter 4, which is a little different than the first three chapters. But today we're getting into chapter 4 as we continue through the gospel of Mark. And I have one question for you to start today. And that is, what is most important to you? Now, before you jump to generalities, what if you were to list 10 things, specific things in your life that were most important to you? If you had 10, what would they be? Or is 5, 6, 7, 8, what might, what might make the list? If you have 11 children, I'm sorry. <laughs> One, you only get ten, right? <laughs> Job? Be more specific. Wife, kids, yeah, that could take up one, two, three, four, five, yeah, handful. That's a few different relationships, spouse relationship, parent relationship, absolutely. Peace? Health? Opportunity to worship. Yeah, my list had my wife, three children. Well, here's my list. Not, it's more general, but let's see how close I got to what you were thinking. Spouse, career, job, whatever that might, or even uh, volunteer opportunities, whatever. Friends, children, health, extended family. Did I get pretty close? Fairly close, right? Some secondary ones I thought of maybe purpose, contentment. Something important for me with music, but didn't make my top four. But question related to these, how long does it take to grow these? How long does it take to improve these or grow or whatever you know, language we want to use? Long time, right? Long time. So this at the beginning, the most important things in life are not built in a day but they are built daily. This is a paraphrase of something I read in a book recently, so it's not a, a direct quote, but it made me start to think about this, and it, that's how it started to formulate in my heart and mind as I've thought about it and prayed about it. The most important things in my life, and I'm guessing in yours, are, will not be built in a day, but they will be built daily. Your, let's look back at our list. Relationship with your spouse if you're married. It's not built in a day. 
but it is built daily, right? If you have children, Father's Day, happy Father's Day to you all. To be a good father or strive to be that, that does not happen overnight in a day, but it does happen daily, doesn't it? How about health? Good health does not happen in a day, which is why I'm very prone to eating, you know, chocolate ice cream with my children yesterday in a hot day, because it's just one time and it's just one day, right? But breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a week, right? maybe not so good. Health is built on daily decisions, right? Career, you can't become a nurse or a teacher or a social worker in a day. And maybe, maybe if I was to uh, sift off may, what, even if we, it may not be the first one we think of, what might actually be the most important one on that list? Yeah. Faith in God grows not in an instant, but a long, slow, and we'd probably say windy, inefficient journey that God leads you on towards deeper and deeper maturity. Now, the Holy Spirit grants faith in an instant, yes, but the way we live and the way that came around for us, most of us, if you came to faith even as an adult, you think, boy, I, I, it was a winding journey that God led me on, and it is a slow growth that God matures us in. But doesn't God often seem slow in basically anything we want God to do? That's for me. Are there times when you have prayed for something, and you prayed, and you prayed, and then you just wait? And what happens? Some, a lot of times it seems like nothing happens for a while, right? How many of you are still, you don't have to answer or raise your hands, you can, but how many of you are still waiting for God to answer your prayers of days ago, weeks ago, months ago, or even years ago? Probably, maybe all of us are close to it. The work of God can at times feel really slow, can't it? Well, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at that in some verses in a minute from the gospel reading. Jesus came not only to, to talk about the kingdom of God, he came to bring the kingdom of God as God himself in the flesh present. And that sounds grand and it sounds powerful, and it is. But the stories that Jesus told about the kingdom aren't. They're so normal and they're slow which sounds like the most important things in life are not built in a day, but they are built daily. So let's get into the Gospel of Mark. We're into chapter 4. That's your little summary. Mark just kind of comes out of the gate with a bang. Chapter 1, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he's just going from there, and he's telling you who this Gospel is, what it is, and what's going on. Chapter 1 has lots of miracles. There's the temptation and baptism of Jesus, beginning of his, of his ministry. Chapter 2, there's, there's more miracles. Chapter 3, there's crowds. There's enemies that are out to destroy him. And he's, he's healing people in so many different ways and uh, restoring people, their communities to life. And then you get to chapter 4, and he takes a teaching time out. Pause for station identification. Or pause for messianic identification. Or kingdom of God teaching time out. So mark this fast-paced, action-packed gospel. Now, for a whole chapter, one of the only spots where Mark spends time on Jesus teaching, what he actually said, because most of Mark is all of his actions. But here we have one of these spots. And he talks about the kingdom of God. 
And he tells these kingdom stories, we call them parables, but they're stories that make you think, make you feel, make you respond. And here's the last verses that we read. Tells you, we've got to do the last part first. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. And he didn't say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Now, that's kind of weird if you ask me. You know, Jesus said, I don't want everybody to figure this out, but you, my disciples, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you and I'm going to explain privately. Why does Jesus do this? Don't always know. But in Mark, Jesus is mysterious and odd. He at times acts strangely, sometimes says strange things, and he's teaching his disciples in code. So people have to figure things out. You see, Jesus is revealed in stages. Remember, one of the questions we're looking at with Mark is, who do you believe Jesus is? And that answer is, or that question is answered slowly. Miracle here, miracle there, story here, parable there. Jesus teaches in code and parables and stories and kind of lets disciples and us figure it out a little bit. But he says, now we're going jumping back. So that's the end of the section, jump back. Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so I would expect from chapter 1, 2, and 3 it to be pretty grand. Because he's healed many sick, healed those with demons, cleansed lepers, healed paralyzed people, a man with a withered hand. He has this great crowd following. Things seem big and great other than the people trying to destroy him. The crowds love him. I would think the kingdom of God is something big and grand. And he says, let me tell you what God's powerful work often looks like or almost always looks like. And it's so small you might miss it. So the kingdom of God is like, this is what it is like, it's like a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, he sleeps, gets up. Seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, stalk, head, then the full kernel in the head. Or the uh, language in, in our bulletin sounds like the hymn language. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. How many of you planted a garden this year? Here's my attempt. <laughs> I have more than one tomato plant, thank you. I just took a picture of one. Now, what, how did I do this, though? Did I just uh, go one day, take a tomato seed, put it in there, water it, stick it in the sun, and then I came back the next day and big tomato plant, big juicy red tomatoes, right? No. What happened the next day? I said, what's wrong with you, seed? You're lazy. You're not doing anything. Get to work. No. Truth is, I didn't even plant seeds. I went and bought plants, right, from the eighth-day farm plant sale. So they, somebody else already did the hard work, and I just... And I struggle enough just to remember to water them. Can you watch plants grow? Not really. I mean, can I stare at them all day and actually see them grow? When do they grow? Well, 
When I'm not, yeah, when I sleep. When I'm not watching them. Do I know how they grow? Well, I mean, kind of, sort of, right? We, you know, sun and we know how, some of that, but not really. I mean, it's kind of mystical, right? Kind of magical. It's hidden. It, it happens when you're not looking. It, it just happens. God makes it happen. Do you get what Jesus is saying here? about the kingdom of God, the eternal reign and rule of God, the king of the entire universe. He's saying it doesn't look like a 4th of July firework spectacle. It doesn't look like planets colliding or or explosions or amazing laser shows or whatever huge things you think. It looks like a seed. It looks like a plant growing, hidden, secretive, mysterious, slow, easy to miss because it happens so slowly and quietly. The seed sprouts and grows though he knows not how. How many days went by and I didn't even think about my tomato plants, forgot to water them, and then go, oh, yeah, hey, they're, oh, hey, they're getting bigger. Thankfully, it rained the last couple of days. God helped me out in forgetting. And there it is. It's, it grew more. How often does God's work in your life look like that? How often do you pray for God to work over and over and over again? And when you're paying attention and when you're looking and and watching, it seems like nothing happens. And then over time you say, oh, you know, God did grow me here. God did grow me there, make me more patient and, and giving and kind and loving. That's how my kingdom works, Jesus says. I am working even when you can't see it. How often have you prayed for someone to come to faith or to grow in faith? Maybe it is a son or a daughter or a a grandchild or a spouse or or a friend, and you say, Holy Spirit, draw them to you. I want them to know you. And it just seems like nothing happens. And you know they've heard the gospel or been raised in it, and you wait and you wait. The kingdom of God is like a seed. And some of God's best work is slow and inefficient and it's so easy to miss. Then Jesus continues. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. How often is God's work so small that you and I miss it? Yet it's there all the time. The kingdom of God is like a a mustard seed. God is at work, faithfully, ongoing, mysteriously, quietly. When you pray for a loved one to know Jesus or to come back to church or to grow or pray for yourself to grow, God is at work even when you can't see it. When you pray to grow in faith and be more like Jesus, God answers that prayer. You grow slowly, inefficiently, in God's time, in the ways that God chooses to grow you. But how often do you and I want everything big and fast, right? We, we want God, you know, how often have I prayed, God, make me patient now? Which is a very good way to end up in a traffic jam that afternoon or waiting for a long train. And I thought, I've lived in Holland a while and I've never been at a train right here at this part until I need to be somewhere. 
Or God, heal this person now. Or God, solve all my problems right now. God, show me the the big things. I want to see the big miracles. God, increase my faith now. And yet, God works slowly, quietly, ongoing. But it's often slow and winding and inefficient. You see, God's plan of salvation in the whole Bible is not a quick fix, but a long and slow and marvelous story. In Genesis 3, way at the beginning when Adam and Eve wreck everything and God promises a Savior, but that Savior doesn't come in Genesis 4. God saves his people slowly. The story takes time. You have Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then they're in Egypt as slaves, and Moses, God uses Moses to bring them out and defeat Pharaoh, and then, then they're in the desert for 40 years, and then the promised land, and then you have judges, and they all go astray from God, and he calls them back, and there's prophets and kings, and thousands of years go by from the initial promise, and finally, God's kingdom shows up fully in a poor homeless man born to a young, poor couple. God's work, God's best work, God's saving work is slow and inefficient, but it works. God kept all of his promises to save, and God's kingdom and God's power shone brightest when Jesus was crucified. That doesn't make sense, but God works mysteriously to save and forgive you even in crucifixion, and especially in resurrection. And God works that way in your life too, slowly. Though we want God to microwave us into devoted disciples immediately, God uses the slow cooker of weekly worship, gathering around God's word over and over and over again, trusting his body and blood to transform our souls. Or morning after morning, a quiet cup of coffee in the morning as you pray and read God's word. The most important things in life, as Jesus says in his own words, are not built in a day, but they are built daily. God is at work. God is growing you. God is answering your prayers. And when you look at your own garden or your neighbor's, I should look at my neighbor's because it's better than mine. And you see flowers or tomatoes or seeds growing. Know that God is at work in you, in this church, in people around you, and yes, in the people that you are praying for. Amen.